Hello everyone and welcome to Diversify Her Podcast. I'm your host Raven Hayward and today I'm honored to have Mr. Shane Halls. He has a unique expertise at the intersection of AI, career growth, and diversity and inclusion tailored for corporate professionals. With 15 years plus of HR experience, his dedication to fostering diversity has led him to create equal opportunities across various industries, including biopharma, IT, healthcare, and engineering. His groundbreaking book explores AI's benefits in supporting DEI efforts from eliminating bias to customizing DEI-focused training programs. By leveraging AI-driven analytics, organizations can make data-driven decisions and continuously improve their DEI initiatives, ensuring AI-generated insights align with their values and objectives. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you so much for that great introduction. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Another wonderful morning here to start off doing my best to be my best. Mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to just start off by telling me about yourself and your journey as to how you got to where you are today. And my journey to be where I am today. So first, I was born in the U.S. Virgin Islands uh, to a Crucian mom and a Trinidad. So persons who are born in St. Croix, Crucian, persons, of course, born in Trinidad are uh, Trini. And so I am half Trini, half Crucian. Um, I was then relocated to Charleston, South Carolina when my mom moved us there. Um, so I did high school in Charleston. And while there, I decided that I wanted to aspire to be a lawyer, right? So I applied to colleges with the goal of one day becoming an attorney. I received a scholarship and attended St. Augustine's University right here in North Carolina, a great HBCU. I love my HBCU life. I think HBCU life is everything. Um, and so while at school, learned that a lot of people in my class, a lot of people that I was interacting with, a lot of students were first generation college students. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, unfortunately and unfortunately, that wasn't my case. My mom is a scholar with a master's in education. So education and college was like the minimum in our household. And so uh, the bar of success was set pretty high by her. Um, so graduated school. But at the same time, I got married the same year I graduated, had my first child the same year I graduated as well. And so basically law school was kind of put on the back burner and taking care of my family was my priority. So that eventually landed me into talent acquisition. And that was probably a couple of years after I graduated. And then uh, I moved into the industries of IT and pharmaceuticals or biotech. And so being in TA and IT and farm, which are two huge industries, allowed me to really see behind the curtain, right? It allowed me to see and hear conversations by leadership and executives about how decisions are made, uh, who to hire, who to promote, uh, how you know ratings are given for performance evaluations. And I really start to see disparities um, in what was going on. And that really ignited an internal flame in my soul to really try and work hard to bring true diversity and equity uh, to all persons across various industries. Wow, that sounds amazing. So with you attending college and even just you explaining, you know, how you graduated and got married and had a child in the first year um, and then starting your career and learning everything through your experience, what would you say was your biggest failure and what exactly did you learn from it? Mm, My biggest failure well, early in my career, I was working at a predominantly uh, white organization. Um, in fact, I was one of only three black staffing specialists for this staffing company. And so it was just regulated in the office. But the night before was a Duke UNC game. And so everyone knows how big those Duke UNC basketball games are. Um, well, the regional director 
who was over the Southeast, comes into the office to, that morning discussing the game and very loudly proclaims that he wasn't he was not surprised about how those thugs over at UNC was able to win the game. Now, if you understand the dynamics and demographics of UNC and Duke, uh, UNC at the time had a majority black basketball team and Duke had a majority uh, Caucasian basketball team. And immediately my white counterpart looked at me and his face was flushed because he knew what he just heard and he knew what I just heard too. And we knew exactly what my director meant. And I said, absolutely nothing. I just shook my head, put my head down and went back to work. Um, that moment bothers my soul to this day um, because people who know Shane as I am today could not even conceive of me letting something like that slide. And, you know, I just chalk it up to you live and you learn. Right. Um, that was a moment that, again, lives in me and that drives me to speak up for all those who may have a disenfranchised voice um, in the corporate setting and outside uh, the work environment. That's terrible. You know what? your boss said and did any of your co-workers at the time say anything or they just looked at you to see what your reaction would be and that's pretty much what happened right so everyone just kind of looked at the black face in the room and see how i reacted and you know i was young and so i just laughed along with everyone else and kept it moving you know just a huge letdown of myself my younger self in mm-hmm. my career so i'd love to talk more now about what motivated you and what first got you into looking at artificial intelligence and could you just first describe what exactly it is and how your work plays into ai and ai so ai or artificial intelligence at its most basic level is a field of like computer science that focuses on creating systems capable of performing tasks that are typically uh requiring human intelligence, right? So these tasks can range from recognizing speech, making decisions, translating languages, identifying patterns or anomalies in large data sets. Um, AI is about teaching machines to learn from experience. You may see the term machine learning and AI kind of used interchangeably, um, but AI helps machines learn and adjust to new inputs and to perform human-like tasks with uh, increasing degrees of autonomy. Um, and it's the driving force behind many of our digital tools that we use today um, on some very basic levels and then on more complex levels, right? Um, and services that we use today are continually evolving and it's opening up new possibilities and transforming various sectors from healthcare to finance, to marketing, to entertainment. And so, what I wanted to do was kind of show how AI can be an asset to our work in DI. Um, diversity is something that is not going away. You know, over the next like three to five years, uh, AI can really help the DEI workspace by helping with bias mitigation. Um, AI can help with data-driven insights, accessible technologies, cultural competence, right? So what we're looking at is you have this system that is purely unbiased at its core. And so AI can help reduce unconscious bias in recruiting, hiring promotions by offering objective analysis of candidates based on data sets and criteria, not our bias or our quote unquote preferences, right? So when AI is evaluating someone's resumes or their answers to questions or their interactions, they don't 
really care what school they went to. They don't care about, you know, what organizations they're a part of. They, they don't care what color shirt they wear, what sporting teams they like. Now, these are all things that impact human bias when we're interacting with somebody, right? That's how we form bonds. That's how we form, uh, you know, a liking to someone is that we find uh, things in which we have in common offer to show you which managers are promoting what type of candidates, where are women being promoted and where they're not being promoted, where are opportunities given to persons of color, where are opportunities not given to persons of color, not by word of mouth, but by actually just looking at the data. And, you know, like I say, numbers don't lie. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Right. And so we can just look at the numbers and AI can analyze those numbers and really show us where the gap is and how we can start to make up that gap with uh, various sort of, uh, practices that they can put in place to kind of show you what managers need to kind of adjust their evaluation practices to make sure that they are giving everyone uh, equitable opportunities to uh, to move up within organizations. Mm-hmm. And I go, um, I actually did a summer camp about five years ago and we were first talking about artificial intelligence and Um, It was a debate camp, so we had to argue for whether AI is a positive thing or whether it was a negative thing. And some of the same reasons that you said um, is the use for AI was some of the positive things that we were talking about in the recruitment and in the hiring process. But one of the negatives was the fact that AI could bring job loss. So as our society is progressing, as AI is getting bigger, Um, my generation with Gen Z as we're entering in the workplace in the next three to five years, how do you see AI impacting us as we're entering the workplace? AI can help you draft emails. AI can help you put together social media uh, marketing campaigns. AI can help automate repetitive tasks, allowing Gen Z workers and all workers in general, but definitely Gen Z workers focus on higher level creative strategic tasks tasks that can lead to increased productivity and job satisfaction, right? Tasks that AI can't do, right? So AI can also help with personalized learning and development. When Gen Z really enters the workforce, there'll be AI-driven learning platforms that can provide personalized career development opportunities, tailoring the training and upskilling to individual needs of that person, right? Right now, a lot of learning and development are very general, very generic, very, you know, just widespread. While once we integrate AI more into our L&D side of corporate America, it can take your career that you had in that company. It can take the answers you've given, the uh, ratings you've received in your uh, tra- training and development. It can take the performance evaluations, scores that you've gotten and tailor all your learning to kind of make up for the gaps that you have. Right? It can tailor it to make up for the areas where you may be lacking so that your training can be completely unique to you and help you, you know, get along in your career a lot better. And hopefully with AI being in place more when Gen Z is in the workforce, it will also eliminate bias in decision-making. And so when Gen Z is there, it'll be more data-driven insights as far as promotions, performance evaluations, making the process a lot cleaner and a lot pure. Mm-hmm. So it seems like what you're saying is that we don't necessarily have to worry about AI impacting our jobs and it'll give us more of an opportunity to really hone in and focus on where those discrepancies are that the AI is showing us. So that way 
we can make better strides towards, you know, effectively attaining equity and inclusion in the workplace. And also with focusing more on the jobs that we're assigned to do as we're entering. Uh, Well, you know, I I think that that's was kind of my inspiration behind writing Inclusivity 2.0, my book Mm -hmm. about how AI is impacting DI in the workplace, because there is there is an undoubted impact that's going to come from AI being integrated more, right? Because if you can integrate AI to do the more administrative tasks, it's going to impact administrative jobs in the corporate environment. And those jobs are typically occupied by women, right? Women kind of occupy almost 80 to 85% of the administrative assistance and administrative roles in corporate workplaces. So the shift in technology usage will impact minorities as well as women, right? And so that means women of color are going to be even more greatly impacted by the use and the integration of AI in the workforce more than any other group. So I wanted to make sure that people were able to understand what is about to happen and how to prepare for it. And then basically like how to swim with the wave and not get sucked under by the undercurrent that's going to happen, right? So we want to make sure that organizations um, know how to use AI to ensure that the organization retains and improves their diversity in equitable environments. And we don't want the introduction of AI to overtake the constant need to pay attention to DEI on all levels of the organization. And that's something that has definitely been the driving force behind my company, Manifest the Dreams, is to take uh, persons and take them through consultation sessions on how to use AI to strengthen their skill sets so that they are a stronger employee in the workplace. And so as AI is integrated, they aren't looked at as a sacrificial lamb to AI, but they're looked at as an asset as someone who already knows how to use AI to make themselves a more productive employee. Mm -hmm. So do you have a feeling that with the progression of AI or in the next coming years, that a lot of companies that may have these DEI um, missions or initiatives may start to go away because of the impact that AI will have? I think that DEI has been a constant conversation for decades in the workforce, right? DEI conversation has been here. It's gotten a lot of cultural awareness uh, movements um, over, you know, from when the pandemic started until we are now. But I worry that many organizations who you saw flying the flag of DEI very loudly, now that it's no longer a wave, it's no longer cool that DI will get tucked away in the background like it was before. Mm-hmm. And the cost savings of integrating AI will be to the forefront of organizational leadership's mind on how to utilize it. And so I want to I want to do my part to make sure that we see AI as a asset in making sure that DI is still being paid attention to and not used as an alternative to having a more diverse workforce in order to save money or make money, however you want to look at it. Right. So as Gen Z, you know, where right now most of us are either in college or about to graduate from college, what would you say or what best advice would you give us that we can be doing now to best prepare ourselves for entering the workplace? And best advice for entering the workplace, I would say to build your network. Um, I think that one of the best resources you can have as you're in the workplace or entering the workplace is to have a strong 
strong group of people around you. I think people are the key to any person's success. Um, they're very, there's very little you can accomplish on your own. Right. Um, I know a lot of people like to say, oh, you know, I pulled myself up from the gutter or, you know, I got it from the mud or whatever the case may be, but no one does anything on their own. Right. So you need to have a strong network of people around you. I've been fortunate to have an uber supportive wife throughout my entire career. Um, she's been my spine, my support through all the years, but I also have my corporate BFF, my real life friend in like my podcast, uh, partner in crime, uh, Patricia Moncure. And uh, Patricia and I, we met working on a work contract probably over a decade ago. And we've always looked out for each other, told each other about openings, uh, told each other about, uh, you know, jobs we're hearing about, connected each other with other people we may know within our network and just kind of generally just looked out for each other um, throughout our careers. And you're blessed if you can find yourself a kind of like a work ride or die, someone that you can roll with, uh, because you need that support, right? You need someone to be like, oh, hey, I heard about this job that's opening up in my company. They haven't posted it yet, but I think you'd be a good fit for it. Shoot me a resume. Let me slide it in for you before it gets out, right? Um, or you need someone who can be like, hey, I don't really know how to use Excel a lot. Can you, you know, draft this up for me real quick, right? Early in my career, I really sucked at Excel. And I had a friend who would always <laughs> like put together my Excel uh, spreadsheets for me. And she really didn't like to do a lot of like drafting long emails. And I was an English minor in school, so I love writing. And so I would like review all her emails and like long things like that for her, right? So you gotta have somebody that you can roll with and kind of bounce stuff off of, right? Um, and so I really think the key to that is having someone, having someone in your background, in your network that you can really count on. And then you can do big things with it. like Trish and I, you know, shameless plug. We do have a podcast called Two Live Recruiters and uh, Two Live Recruiters is where we kind of share our lessons about being in corporate America and uh, the stories that we've experienced or whatnot. Ooh, I was just about to ask you about um, your podcast next and when exactly did you start it and um, how well has it been going and what's been your favorite episode so far? Yeah, so our podcast, Two Live Recruiters, has been around for about a year and a half now. And I think that my favorite part of that podcast is uh, the favorite episode we did was one where we did like the worst way to answer interview questions. And so it was basically uh, she would act like the interviewer and I would act like the candidate. And we would just literally spew off answers that we really gotten over questions or like our career. So like these answers sound crazy, but I assure you, like, these are answers that we've received. And so that was fun uh, to go back and go go through that, right? Uh, because uh, being corporate America is tough. And so having a way to be able to uh, kind of stand on some shoulders of giants, right? Like we, no one gets where they are on their own. Like I said, uh, we all stand on shoulders of giants. So if you can hear lessons and things that someone else has gone through to help you, I think that is uh, that's a good way to start your career off a little easier than uh, than other people. Right. And I think that's amazing. And um, I'm going to be sure to tune in and listen to that because I know that I have a lot of interviews that are coming up um, in my future. And if you don't mind me asking, what do you think is just awesome. think of any question and think of like, what's the worst possible answer that you could give with a question that a lot of recruiters will ask? Oh, the worst possible answer to a question um okay so a lot of persons will be like uh tell me what your like tell me what your 
biggest weaknesses, right? Or that's something that people will always ask you, like, what's your strengths, what your weaknesses are, whatever. I feel like the worst way you can answer that question is to go with the stereotypical, oh, I take on too much, right? Like, oh, like, you know, I I don't know how to say no. I like to take on every project that's handed to me because I just want to work hard and show myself. You know, that a lot of people think that sounds good and a lot of people give that answer because they think that makes them stand out. Oh, my weakness is actually kind of a strength, but it really isn't, right? Like you really need to know how to say no. Like that really does not translate well because the worst thing you can do is not know who you are and your limitations. And like it or not, being in corporate America, it's still a business and they're still there to maximize profits. And so if you come in there saying you're going to take on all these projects and you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you're unable to do so, you look bad, right? You should, you know, do two projects extremely well, then take on five projects and do them at a very basic subpar level, right? It's the math ain't math, right? You look better when you have excelled at two projects than when you have just been basic at, you know, five of them or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice. Um, that's something that we're starting to do more of. And the fact that you said that I kind of chuckled because that was my first thought of, okay, maybe not knowing how to say no could potentially be, but you explaining that it makes a lot of sense. And thank you for that. So a signature question that I have on my podcast as we come to the end of this episode is what is one piece of advice that you would give Gen Z listeners to go out and diversify themselves? Uh, Man. All right. So Gen Z, if I could leave you with anything, I leave you with this. Be yourself. That is something that I wish that I knew when I started my career, that it's okay to be unapologetically me, right? Um, So please be yourself. But to be yourself, you have to know who you are. So at some point in time, you need to disconnect from social media, disconnect from your friends, disconnect from your people, and just spend some time by yourself and understand what you want out of life. Understand how you want your life to look at its most basic level, right? I'm talking about like, what does your ideal day-to-day look like? Figure out what that is. And once you understand what you want your day-to-day to look like, what you want your life to look like, spend every moment of every day doing as much as you possibly can to manifest that dream. Um, One of the biggest lies that people will tell you that you're going to hear is that it's not that simple. I assure you it is that simple. It is it is not complicated at all. It is that simple. So if everyone is true to who they are and if everyone is true to who they want to be, diversity is a natural repercussion of self-understanding and just pure pursuits of happiness. When we try to be like everyone else, when we try to kind of go after what people say we should go after, that's when everything starts to look cookie cutter. Go after what makes you happy. Go after what fills you. And diversity is just going to naturally evolve out of that. Well, thank you so much for that great advice, those golden nuggets, just reminding us to be unapologetically ourselves and giving us some great interview tips. Everyone, please be sure to go and check out his podcast. 
and also check out his book, Inclusity 2.0. I'll make sure that I have that in the description box below. And if any of my listeners want to reach out to you, want to connect with you, where can they reach you at? Man, you can reach me on my uh, website, www.manifesteddreams.org. You can go on there to book consultation sessions with me, look at some daily tips that I post about AI. You can also follow us on Twitter at Manifested Dreams. Yes, thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you everyone for listening and be sure to catch me next time on Diversify.